Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am both honored and extremely excited to host someone whom I looked up to as an accomplished marketing leader, an industry thought leader, and most important of all, I'm also proud to call him my friend. Mr. Boon Lai, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christian. Great to be here. All right. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. All right, Boon, let's uh, let's get the show started. And uh, maybe we can begin by you telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. Sounds great. Thanks, Christian. So my name is Boon Lai. Um, I am originally from Singapore, and I now live in San Francisco in the U.S. Um, I have, let's see, identical twin girls who are four years old. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like many parents are keeping me pretty busy nowadays, especially mm. during COVID time. Um, personally, I came to school here in the U.S. and started my career working in an advertising agency in New York. Um, and then I shifted to the client side, onto the marketing side and have since been working first in consumer goods um, and then in the electronics industry and now in tech. Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked in Asia, in Europe, and I'm now VP of Global Partner Marketing at Cisco. Um, I'm not sure if everybody is familiar with Cisco, uh, but Cisco is the global leader in networking where we connect people, their computing devices, and the network to access and to power the internet. In fact, 85% of the world's internet traffic travels through Cisco systems. So I'm uh, very proud to be, very happy to be here. I've been with Cisco for about four, the last four years. Wow, that is indeed an extremely impressive list of credentials you've got there. And thanks so much for sharing it. Uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of the listeners have heard of Cisco. <laughs> so well, what are you currently working on, uh, Boone, that you're, you know, that you're excited and passionate about? Well, just to share a little bit more context, Christian, mm. um, you know, Cisco um, actually works with about 50,000 partners, which account for about 90% of our sales. So it's actually our core route to market. Um, and this includes global strategic partners like IBM, Apple, and Google to value added resellers that resell our software, hardware, and our networking solutions with their own unique uh, added value and services. So for us, our partner's success is our success. So as I mentioned, I lead the global partner marketing team at Cisco, and our goal is to help partners transform and accelerate their marketing practice. So in essence, this means that we focus on two simple actions with our partners. We provide learnings to help elevate our partners' marketing practice, and we also enable our partners with marketing playbooks and services to accelerate demand gen. So I think one thing I'm really passionate about is the digitization and the ability to find new ways to reach and engage customers. You know, especially at a time like this with COVID, marketing is on the forefront line of digital interaction. So it's critical that we help our partners reach customers in new ways. And that digitization of marketing also means that we have to reach customers across all channels and across all devices. So we're very, very passionate about helping our partners develop and activate their digital marketing strategies. And with COVID, we've seen this accelerate much faster than ever before. 
Well, that's amazing. Um, th- thanks again so much for sharing that. And you know, I'm I'm pretty sure you've seen these trends, um, especially um, e- even even pre-COVID, that you know, um, digitalization and and the advancement of it has you know um, picked up pace. And um, you know, the uh, the current uh, crisis and you know the, the the looming recession obviously has accelerated that process considerably. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Boone, in your in your current role, um, you know, you're responsible for helping, as you mentioned, uh, you know, you're helping Cisco's 50,000 partners to elevate their marketing practice, uh, most especially in the area of digitization. So as we all know, uh, marketing is not just about the product or the solution, but rather also the experience that the users and the target audience will have with uh, said product or solution. So um, with regards to Cisco, like what has your organization been doing to help bridge this gap? Well, that's actually a great question because we've actually been talking to our partners a lot about marketing their edge. You know, in marketing, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about differentiators, right? Yes. How do you create a differentiation to identify the things that make our company different, that set right. us apart from competition, and then using that differentiation to position ourselves in the marketplace. Mm. And at the core of this conversation, it's really around the why. Why do we do what we do? Um, and, and Simon Sinek, you know, we, we kind of talked to him a little bit and he puts it mm-hmm. as people don't buy just what you do, they buy why you do it. And it's actually what makes brands like Apple and Nike so successful. Mm-hmm. So beyond the product and services that we offered, it's really about the real human connections that we nurture. And Cisco has a great example in, in our brand campaign, which is to build the bridge to possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's actually become one of our most successful campaign ever because it's really about connecting real people with technology to solve challenges and business problems, not just from a product perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think as marketers, we all have great stories like this to tell. And this can be our edge, right? This can be your edge and how you can set yourself apart from the competition. So I think this is really something that's applicable to most companies that we have to market our edge to impact the bottom line. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think you brought up uh, a really good point there. And, uh, you know, it's something that we've seen happening um, across different facets of um, B2B industries where they're starting to like, um, well, humanize or or shall I say, inject that human element into their, you know, into their marketing and branding initiatives. Because, you know, at the end of the day, yes, the technology um, is helpful and and, and it supports um, operations and the way people work. But at the end of the day, it's also about the the human aspect and the human story behind that technology. Yeah, I think that's that's very fair, right? I mean, if you look at, mm, um, you know, as consumers and as customers, we all have choices uh, on the technology and the solutions that we want to purchase. Yes. But it's really about that connection and the trust in the brand and the relationship that we build with the brands that actually makes, um, you know, a longer term uh, commitment and relationship, right? That that actually mm. helped us to build that that association with the brand, right? Indeed, indeed. Okay, um, you know, Boone, you've probably heard this like several times over in the past couple of months, but we are going through a crisis of an unprecedented scale, and that crisis has caused massive disruptions across multiple industries. But let's try to look at it from a you know a more purposeful and constructive perspective instead of sliding directly into the doom and gloom. So despite the crisis, um, you you know, the current um, state of uh, affairs has also helped us to accelerate the speed at which digitalization and technological advances 
um, have been prioritized. So um, just from your point of view, what are some of the recent marketing trends that you've seen and how do you think these trends will affect your customers, um, your organization as a whole, as well as your partners? Yeah, good. that's a really great question. Um, I think I see two trends. Mm -hmm. uh, the first is around, you know, for B2B enterprise marketing, that the role of digital marketing is transforming so quickly, especially during the COVID era, right? Yeah. We talked a little bit about that earlier. Mm -hmm. And we know that 71% of B2B buyers prefer to research digitally rather than to reach out to a sales reps. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah and, and it's, mm. it's pretty. that's been pretty consistent. Mm. But according to a study by Google, B2B decision makers are using search ads on mobile, online video ads, and even ads on social media to really accelerate their B2B purchase. Mm -hmm. Over the last past 30 days, we know that 63% of buyers have actually increased their use of online video ads, and actually 52% of buyers increased the use of online search ads mm -hmm. to research for B2B products. Right. So again, we've seen pretty unprecedented <laughs> Uh, you know, transformation in the marketing industry as well. Mm. So when you're saying, sorry, when you're saying social media, you're referring to the likes of like uh, LinkedIn, for example, and, yes. and, and Facebook or... Right. That's mm. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the other trend that we see, especially in B2B marketing, is around how events are really shifting to virtual, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we know that we still need to really deliver on that same amazing experience that customer expects at live event. Yes. However, it's a, quite a different ballgame when it comes to grabbing and maintaining the attention of our customer, who's mm -hmm. really watching from a screen remotely, right? right. They're looking yes. for shorter and even more concise content delivered in an entertaining manner for virtual events. Mm -hmm. They're looking for ways to engage and interact with us with a clear call to action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a great example of this is for at Cisco, we've seen record attendance across some of our major recent events, including Cisco Live and Marketing Velocity. So the virtual events actually gave us the opportunity to go beyond the traditional live events limitation. So if you think about it, when you, know, when you host a conference, say in Vegas, it has venue capacity, it has travel costs and time commitment, right, mm -hmm. to get your attendees to come. Mm -hmm. With virtual events, we're able to invite more attendees in a much more flexible and fluid manner. Mm -hmm. So a great example of this is Cisco's Marketing Velocity event. Mm -hmm. We were able to actually increase our attendee attendance by four times. So oh, we had wow. four, uh, <laughs> uh, four of attendees uh, attend this event. And we're also mm -hmm. able to extend this from one annual event to really engaging our audience over a series of, say, six weeks with ongoing uh, webinars that actually continue to build on the message that we started off with. Wow. Those are incredible observations, and I think you brought up so many great points. I mean, you know, uh, one about uh, you, you know the, uh, the 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 recent trend that you've seen in terms of um, where B two B purchasers go in uh, when they're making a decision um, about like um, pivoting events to like uh, you know virtual and online. Although I believe that you know Cisco's been doing that like you know for a while, right? Like I mean, like you, you know you, you guys are not strangers to the virtual events um, you know space, rather. Um, but, but then again, you've also, you've also had your fair share of live events and it'll probably, you know, by the looks of, of, uh, the way, the way things are going right now, it might take a while for us to go back to those, but we will eventually. 
Yeah, I think it will be a new way of balancing between live events and virtual events. I mm-hmm. think people and customers will start to realize that they don't have to, you know, travel to Vegas every other month. Yeah. Uh, but they're actually able to get the concise, like I mentioned, right, very concise mm-hmm. insights and information through a, a virtual setting. So I think yeah. it would actually change the way that our customers are consuming our marketing. Yes. Well, they'll certainly um, have more options at, le- uh, at at the very least in terms of like, um, you know, uh, whether they wish to attend an event online or whether they, um, you know, in the future plan to just um, fly or travel to a certain destination in order to attend that uh, said event. Yeah, that's right. So, Boom, before I ask you the next question, let me share some uh, research findings. Um, and this was research conducted by Accenture. All right. So I, I, I've grouped them into uh, three main areas. So. Point number one is regarding trends. So according to this, uh, according to this uh, research conducted by Accenture, um, post-digital people will have high expectations, but companies are still building tech-driven products and services with outdated playbooks, right? So that's point number one. Point number two is regarding AI. Um, the research says 76% of executives agree that organizations need to dramatically re-engineer the experiences that bring technology and people together in a more human-centric manner to a point that you raised um, several minutes ago. Point number three, regarding um, the Internet of Things, or IoT, this market is expected to grow to 75.44 billion connected devices by 2025 with a projected market value of $1.1 trillion by 2026. So here comes the question. Based on this trends and the research, we know that there's no um, such thing as a one-size-fits-all roadmap. But in your professional opinion, what role do you think marketers have in terms of ensuring that their organizations adapt to these changes accordingly, while at the same time overcoming tech clash? Well, I mean, those are pretty powerful trends and and data Mm. that you shared. Um, I think, you know, two things, right? So the first thing is that marketing should always be the voice of the customer, and so, you know, the, uh, to your point around, you know, the trends of, you know, focusing around provi- providing customer outcomes rather than just product um, and, and, you know, technical services and so on, we should really always focus. And actually marketing has a role to play to really share the customer expectations and requirements from an outcome and a solutions perspective back into the organization. Um, second area I would say is in terms of leading with data. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly, there's no argument with metrics, right? And specifically with, you know, AI and IoT, there's so much more data that's available to all of us. And marketers should really leverage the insight and analytics to help make our case. For example, at Cisco, we've been looking at how our partners are using our enablement platform mm-hmm. to help us prioritize how we should be investing behind the different functionality and features. So in short, I think data-driven decisions help direct everyone in the same direction, so there's less second guessing and also less politics involved. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.ironblake.co for more information. Okay, Boone, I'm going to push you a little bit out of your comfort zone here. So, 
On July 16th, you were one of the panelists, along with nine other industry leaders on Adweek's Asian American Summit webinar as part of their diversity and inclusion series. Now, during this webinar, you and other participants discussed very relevant issues that hit close to home. Discrimination and workplace issues that affect people of Asian descent, the bamboo ceiling and related challenges, sponsorship versus mentorship, and the need for um, conversations about difficult topics in order for us to progress as a society in a positive way. Now, why do I say that this hits close to home? Because you're someone of, uh, you know, you're someone clearly of Asian descent. And in my humble opinion, you are in fact living proof of someone who hasn't let these stereotypes and this bias and this prejudice slow you down. If anything, in fact, it's done the complete opposite. It's helped you to persevere, thrive, and succeed in your career. So talk to us a little bit about what it was that motivated you to succeed in these roles that you've had across industries. Well, well, that's really a great question. Well, thanks for that. Um, I guess, you know, I can only speak for myself. You know, first off, I would say that like many of your listeners out there, I was really confused and also very angry with the inequality and the social injustice that we see around us. Yes. Most recently in the Bay Area, you might have seen that there was a tech CEO who actually had a racist rant um, to an Asian family in a restaurant. You know, and that really hit very close to home for me. You know, for my four-year-old twin girls who are mixed-raised, uh, I am concerned about how they might be bullied or grew up in a society that might discriminate against them. And so I'm personally very feeling very motivated to do something and take action. Um, you know, I feel very optimistic that we can make a change, that discussions like this is actually making a difference and opening up the conversation and empowering all of us to have a voice. So while I personally haven't been, you know, racially attacked, uh, you know, in, in my career, um, in my life so far, um, I would say that there has always been implicit biases throughout my career. Right. Um, you know, I shared this in the panel, right? That the three most asked questions throughout my entire career, uh, the first question is, you know, sort of, where are you from? How come you speak such great English? <laughs> you know, I, and I always kind of laugh at that because uh, I grew up in Singapore, which is a British colony. Right. Um, the second question I always get asked a lot is, are you really good at math? Uh, and I guess the short answer is yes, but I don't like it. Do you play a musical instrument as well? Uh, I did, actually. Yeah, I, did, <laughs> you know, I guess like everybody else who grew up in Singapore, you know, such yes. generalization, right? Mm. Um, and then the third question I get asked a lot is, wow, you look really young. How old are you? <laughs> um, and, you know, they, these used to be questions I used to get really embarrassed by. Yeah. Um, but now I actually embrace it and I kind mm -hmm. of find it uh, uh, pretty funny uh, yeah. and I'm actually using it to my advantage. Right. So throughout right. my career, I have to learn to adapt to different situations, but also more importantly, work hard to prove myself. Mm -hmm. But I'll say not just working hard, but working smart. Right. Focusing yeah. not just on the tasks, but the impact that we can make. Well, I mean, that's a that's a really great attitude to have, Boone. And, and you know, quite frankly, if somebody says that you look young, just take it as a compliment, right? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, because actually, when I came from my interview here at Cisco, mm -hmm. I met with the CMO, um, Karen. And the first thing I did when I sat down was I basically, you know, joked about how young I look. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I might look too young for the job, you know, but you know, you know, here's my resume. And she kind of laughed. And she basically said, I wish people would tell me that all, <laughs> more often. <laughs> so that was very gracious of her. But yeah, I, I try yeah. to, just, you know, you know, kind of bring it up front and use it to my advantage as a strength. 
Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and you know, thanks for sharing your story there. Um, could you also talk to us about what you think needs to happen, um, you know, in places uh, like North America for diversity and inclusion? And, uh, and when I say that, I mean, like, you know, what needs to happen for it to be not just a box that organizations tick, you know, that they can say, OK, yeah, we've done that check. Yeah. But what is what, what is it that they can do, you know, um, in terms of like how diversity and inclusion can be um, embraced and incorporated into the DNA of society? Well, another very deep question. Again, I, you know, I think I can only speak for myself. I mean, I do believe in personal leadership. You know, as you mentioned, you know, I'm an I'm Asian. I've worked across four continents, and I'm now working in the U.S. So I don't have the traditional Asian American view, um, but I do think that right. leading is really about bringing a global perspective. You know, mm -hmm. especially for global companies like Cisco, right, where yeah. there's so much dynamics happening. It's constantly mm -hmm. changing with the geopolitics, with 5G, with trade. Um, so it's really important for us to be able to share our experiences and our background. Mm -hmm. You know, a great example I always talked about is how, you know, a lot of my global colleagues are asking me, you know, now that I've lived here in the U.S., you know, why is it so difficult for Americans to wear masks? Um, you know, trying to explain Black Lives Matters to my friends in Asia, where, you know, that that is not a trending issue, for example, right? And so there's lots of opportunities for us to share our background, the history, and our understanding of why, you know, things are a certain way in different parts of the world. Um, I also think that getting personally involved in Asian and other minority communities, um, you know, is a, actually a great way forward. For example, at Cisco, we had a talent expo for our African-American Black employees. Mm. So I signed up to become a mentor. Mm. It's actually an opportunity on both sides to learn and to help. Yes. And I've also reached out to our Chinese-American uh, employee group to offer to become an executive sponsor. So I'm really kind of taking small steps myself because I know that we need to actually go beyond, um, you know, mentorship, you know, beyond giving advice to taking it to the next level with sponsorship. Right? I talked a little bit about this in my panel. Uh, according to the Leadership Research Institute, people with sponsors are 23% more likely to advance in their career. Mm. And the problem here is that there is a significant gap between white male who have sponsors versus women and minorities. Mm. Um, one in five white men have a sponsor, one in eight women have sponsors, and one in 12 minorities have sponsors in the oh, corporate environment. That's right? incredible. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I've actually taken a pledge with a mm. nonprofit uh, called The Multiply Effect. Yeah. Uh, it's called multiplydiversity.com. Mm -hmm. uh, where it's really about, you know, helping and sponsoring diverse talent uh, to their next, to advance in their next, uh, in, in their career. Mm -hmm. So this is really uh, something that I'm quite passionate about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are all great um, insights and observations. And, uh, you know, um, to be fair, uh, to be uh, very honest with you, Boone, I think uh, you, you were being very humble when you're saying that you're taking small steps. I think these are pretty big strides that you've been taking. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Boone, you know, you've brought up so many great and insightful points with regards to uh, diversity and inclusion and how to address prejudice and racism. And that kind of brings to mind a, um, a quote that I read in the autobiography of Nelson Mandela. So the book is called Long Walk to Freedom. And that quote is so appropriate for this discussion. So he basically said, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin 
or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. So what am I getting at here? Um, so in order for us to truly progress as a society, we need to let go of hate and fear. And it is our duty to educate others so that they can see that differences are something to be celebrated, not feared or looked down upon. Right? And yeah, it is going to be difficult. I mean, nothing about this journey is going to be easy. And, you know, as you well know, um, I myself have an Asian mother. And I spent most of my life in Asia. And the Asian way of dealing with conflict is to keep quiet, not say anything, and somehow hope that the problem goes away. But come on, you and I both know that that's not the right way to initiate change. Change requires us to push back, speak up, and most important of all, say something if we feel that something is wrong. So we need to continue to educate others, encourage open dialogue, and even have difficult conversations so that we can break barriers down. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, growing up in Singapore, or, you know, pretty much a lot of the Asian culture, we've really been taught taught not to, you know, speak up, not to cause trouble, you know, to kind of keep to ourselves, do our job and kind of look away. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the last few months have really thought, taught us that, you know, we can't really do that anymore, right? right? I mean, with the COVID situation where the president is calling it the China virus and so on, you know, clearly, you know, there's a lot more xenophobia and hate crimes that's going around. Uh, and even if it doesn't affect, you know, me personally or, you, you know, uh, us personally, it is happening and it's happening to, uh, you know, all these different communities. And so I think we owe it to ourselves to speak up, you know, to have a voice. Um, you know, it's definitely out of my comfort zone personally. Uh, when I joined the Adweek, <laughs> uh, you know, CMO, uh, Asian American uh, panel. But actually, I had such overwhelming feedback. You know, I had over 100 people, uh, you know, kind of share comments with me on my LinkedIn and social um, you know, we had over 2,000 uh, live attendees at that panel. Um, and, you know, and, and it's because, you know, it's something that really resonated with people. And, you know, that we are actually just by speaking about it, creating a platform to allow people to share their experiences um, and to really talk about what we could do as, as, a, as a community and as a society. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, and you know, uh, once again, to just, just to reiterate what's been mentioned earlier, um, you know, you probably got such a um, tremendously positive resonance from people because it does try it, it is so close to home yeah mm -hmm. these problems are real this is not something that's made up by the media i mean this right. is something that's that's happening right now this wasn't you know it happened 100 years ago too but it's still happening in 2020 right, that's right. yeah i think and, and you brought up of course you know the the current situation in the united states and uh, you know i think we're just really fortunate um you know here in canada that um our government takes a different stance on mm -hmm. these things and uh you know not 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 to make this very political but like you know one of the things that they do um uh, try to um you know communicate very clearly is that our diversity is what gives us strength right right that's great so um on to the next point and uh you know did you have any recommendations on the actions that people can take because you know to read about it and to be aware um of, of bias and racism and prejudice is one thing but to actually take action and act upon it um, is a completely different story. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a uh, great question. I, I think for me, three things. Um, mm-hmm. The first is, you know, during this COVID era, it's really important for us to take time to really empathize and really ask people how they are. You know, as leaders, as, as managers, we, re- we need to recognize that this is a stressful time for everybody. Um, and so I try to do my best to start meetings with being human, being vulnerable, and really trying to, to support my teams and my friends. Um, and also giving my team permission to have more flexibility, right? Um, this very kind of strange time that we're living in. So second of all, I think we need to report racial incidents uh, and classify them as hate crimes. We talked a little bit earlier about how important data is. And so it's really critical for us to ensure that when we are, you know, that we don't look away when that, you know, hate crimes happen, that we do call out for what it is. And we fill out a report with our law enforcement to really, um, you know, document that. You know, we need to hold people accountable, uh, such as uh, Amy Cooper from the Central Park uh, incident yes. or Mike Lofthouse, the tech CEO I was talking about, and really use the power of social media. And it's also quite important for us to contribute to the Asian American nonprofit uh, organizations as well as businesses. So for me, that's something I'm very conscious of trying to do. Uh, and then last but not least, I think just staying positive, uh, focusing on what I can do, uh, staying grateful to that, that everything is, you know, uh, everyone I know is safe and healthy. Yes. Uh, that, you know, I really support my team, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. with empathy, but really expand my mentorship uh, to sponsorship and to really create a voice for the wider community. Right. Th- that was some really great advice, Boone. Um, thank you so much for that. And yes, you're absolutely right. It's really important to stay positive, which is, you know, as we all know, it's not always a very easy thing to do especially under the current circumstances. Okay, Boone, we're going we're gonna to shift from an extremely deep and heavy topic to, to <laughs> one that's a little bit lighter. <laughs> um, why don't you, um, you know, tell us or, or state the one best piece of advice that you've received um, from a mentor over the years, and how does it apply to your professional life today? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I love this quote I read somewhere. Uh, around how, you know, when we change the way that we look at the world, the world around us changes with us. Indeed. Right? So it's really about looking at things from different perspectives. Uh, and you and I both know that, you know, having lived in many different countries and working in both global and regional roles, that is really under- important for us to understand our team, uh, our customers and our stakeholders, right? To really kind of share the shared experience and also look at things at many different angles so that we can actually provide a much more holistic and comprehensive view. Um, and so that's what I always strive to do, right? Which really to, to take on different perspectives and look at things in different point of view. And the second advice that I have is really to do what you love, right? Um, one thing that was really interesting for me was that post my MBA at London Business School, I actually did a career switch. So I left marketing and I took on a job that is completely not in my wheelhouse. Uh, as a strategy manager reporting to the CFO, um, you know, in a um, in a large multinational company, uh, and the idea was to really broaden my strategic thinking. Um, you know, it was like you know, taking an MBA is such a life changing experience. I wanted to make the most out of it, um, but it was a great two year experience because I actually really really hated that job. Okay, um, I, I you know was mostly sitting in a room looking at a spreadsheet and working on a gazillion M&A scenarios uh, on WAC, if anybody remembers that. Um, and actually, that was a great learning experience because it actually make me re- made me realize what I'm really good at and, and what I'm really passionate about. You know, I know that I'm a people person, 
and that I'm a marketer at heart, um, that I love learning and talking to people and insights and, you know, observing behaviors, using data and analytics to make, you know, decisions, uh, looking at how, you know, through the work that I do can shift cultural perception. Um, so, you know, that actually, you know, work taking on this role that is not in my wheelhouse actually made me realize, um, you know, that I should really, you know, focus and double down uh, on, uh, you know, working in marketing. And that career switch was the best decision because it made me really focus and actually helped to subsequently accelerate my career. Uh, you know, I joined uh, Philips uh, post um, this strategy role uh, to become the global head of brand at Philips. And then within two years, I became one of the youngest VP appointed at, at Philips. So, you know, I, I really thank that experience in my life to really, you know, kind of take away any self-doubt uh, and actually help me to focus on my strengths. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty much hot. the only way I can react to that story. Wow. <laughs> the youngest VP uh, of marketing at Philips. I mean, that that in itself is an incredible accomplishment. And I mean, if 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 anybody took anything away from this interview, it's um, don't let other people's perception of you stop you from um, achieving your goals and your dreams. <laughs> as, right. as cliche as that sounds, but um, but you, you're you're living proof of that, Boone, and it's a it's an incredible story. And uh, thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Thank you. All right, Boone. This has been an extremely insightful and thought-provoking session, and that that in itself even sounds like an understatement, but thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, what's the best way for people out there to connect with you? Well, first of all, Christian, thanks very much for the opportunity and for the great discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels really nice to be talking to an old friend again. <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, you know, for, for people out there listening, uh, feel free to reach out to me, uh, mm -hmm. Lai, uh, via LinkedIn or on Twitter. Great. Boone, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to have this conversation with me. Um, it's been interesting. It's been fun. It's been engaging. It's been eye-opening. So um, please take care, stay safe, and best to you and the family, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Really enjoyed it as well. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Uh -huh.